The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. Darkimaginings.com For the deepest, darkest clues, to the backwoods swamp where we hit the bottom, for the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. This is Spencer Terry from Fear Factory in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm the president of the Haunted Attraction Association. Excited to be with you, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Steve Gilb with Fright Farm in Smithfield, PA, and Rusty Razor Studios, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> Hi, this is Brandon from Gata Silvis in Nashville, Tennessee, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Robert from Paradigm Q Escape Games, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Pat Kudapelski from Shocktoberfest in Reading, Pennsylvania, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. Hi, everyone. Drew Badger here. Welcome to episode 239 of The Big Scary Show. If I seem a little bit out of breath and in a hurry, it's because as soon as we get this show up and running, me and my youngest daughter are headed to Florida for a short vacation that we've been planning for months, but we got to get this show up first. So, quick intro here. We got a fantastic show for you. I'll be reading all the news, and Storm will be talking about time travel. Hmm, that's an interesting one. Meat Hook Jim will be traveling to Romania for Between the Corpses. Jerry Vane will be spinning some great music for you as build season continues. We have a segment from our new special correspondent, the old crone, talking about, let's just say location, location, location. Might have a play in it if you're looking at opening a haunt. And Weister returns with a very special message you do not want to miss this. The Roundtable of Terror is back with Spencer Terry, the brand new president of the Haunted Attraction Association, with a big, big informative roundtable on the HAA, its three-year plan, and how it can benefit not only haunters, but people who work in the haunt. If you're an actor, makeup artist, build crew, 
whatever, there are some certain benefits that you might get by joining the HAA. Take a listen, and you decide for yourself. Anyway, folks, that's it for me. I've got the car gassed up, ready to go. Enjoy episode 239 of the Big Scary Show. The Midwest Haunters Convention is back for 2021 in a brand new location. They'll be at the Wisconsin Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, June 26th and 27th. Don't forget the pre-show bus tour on June 25th, going to three of Wisconsin's scariest haunted houses. The Abandoned Haunted House, Green Bay Fear, and Terror on the Fox. MHC is open to all Halloween enthusiasts, actors, home and pro haunters, don't forget their great classes and educational seminars and one of the best costume balls in the world. Visit MidwestHauntersConvention.com for tickets and more info. Come, my little neophytes, and sit by the fire. It's time to ask the old crone. <laughs> A favorite pastime of mine is to fly around on my broom and look at all the vacant buildings to haunt. (laughs) If I ever find the last ingredient for my spell, I will finally be able to conjure the perfect place to haunt till the end of my days. (laughs) But do you know how hard it is to find a gray hair from a virgin? I've heard a good place to find one might be at a Dungeons and Dragons convention. But let's pretend we are shopping for a location. Know what your budget can support. Do you want to buy or rent? If you're going to lease a space, short term or year round. Educate yourself, child, before leasing because this can be tricky. I recommend using a qualified realtor. As my crone sister found out when that evil little girl dropped a house on top of her. The important thing is location, location, location. (laughs) First, find out any requirements or restrictions in your city. They may rule out certain locations. This is critical information you'll need to know and includes everything from zoning, parking requirements, noise ordinance, sprinkler requirements, etc. And let's use some common sense as well. Certain areas may not be desirable due to high crime, but at the same time, across the street from an elementary school may not be good either. There's nothing wrong with something more rural or outside of the city limits, but a dirt road out to the middle of nowhere that washes out at first sign of rain may cost you valuable customers, although can be quite convenient for hiding the bodies. (laughs) Let's add parking to that list. How long is the average customer at your location? 
Can you accommodate that many cars? Hmm. And let's not forget about the area that they'd be parking. Such as, is it pavement, gravel, or pasture? Do you need a contingency plan if the parking lot turns to quicksand? Oh, and here's something every place needs. Restrooms. How many? Indoors or outdoors? Tree? Bush? Even if you do porta-potties, I do recommend separate facilities for your staff. And speaking of staff, don't forget dressing rooms, makeup rooms, control room, storage, egresses. You'll need room for all of that too. But have you noticed we haven't talked about square footage? Of course you want lots of square footage, but let's be honest. Haunts come in all sizes and shapes, just like old crones. <laughs> the first haunted house I went to was in a condemned house that was donated to the JCs, and then a week later burned down afterwards as a training exercise for the local fire department. Hmm, the good old 70s. Can't do that anymore. But I've been to haunted houses and strip balls, tents, an old chicken house, a barn, and let's not forget haunted trails in the woods where there's absolutely no buildings at all. What's that phrase? Where there's a will, there's a way. Hmm? Well, we all want that perfect location to call our own. A place that we can roam through day and night and not just Halloween. But there's lots to think about when it comes to selecting a location. Ah, but I see the fire is about to burn out. If you have any questions for this old crone, send it to scream at BansheeManor.com. Until next time, don't forget to stir the cauldron. <laughs> hey, horror fans, here comes the most terrifying motorcycle horror film ever made. Werewolves on Wheels is the ghoulish story of a wild motorcycle gang lost in the desert, mocking the supernatural. One by one they die. Unnatural, unbelievable deaths. See Werewolves on Wheels in color. The chiller thriller from the Fanfare Corporation. Rated R. It's a hair-raising experience. Creature Feature. American Gothic. On the Big Scary Show.
Discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright find will make in your haunt listing. Hi everyone, Drew Badger. This is Deadline News for episode 239. And we are sad to announce some very sad news from one of our own. If you listen to our show on set design back right before Transworld, you might remember our guest Steve Guild of Rusty Razor Studios. Well, we just got word less than 24 hours ago that Steve Guild has passed away at the very all-too-young age of 27. Uh, apparently he had some demons that were just too much for him. He was, uh, an amazing talent. He was a friend to everyone on the show. We all knew him. He was one of the really good guys in the industry. Worked at some fantastic haunts. Was a great set designer, builder, animatronic, master, wizard, whatever you want to call it. Stuff I couldn't even think of. And he was also our friend. So, the Big Scary Show sends its deepest condolences to the family and friends of Steve Guild. And folks, talk to somebody if you're having problems. Somebody will listen to you. We offer up this moment of silence in his honor. On a lighter note, we have this update from Days of the Dead coming to Indianapolis. It is with great pleasure that we announce the addition of musician Phil Anselmo to the guest roster for Days of the Dead Indianapolis, happening July 16th through the 18th at the Marriott Center Indianapolis. Best known as a longtime frontman for heavy metal legends Pantera, Anselmo has also been involved with such bands as Down, Super Joint Ritual, and Arsome Anthem. 
He's also the curator of the Heart of the House Core Horror Film Festival, a horror-filmed or horror-themed film and heavy metal music festival happening yearly in San Antonio, Texas, as well as the founder of the House of Shock Haunted Attraction in New Orleans. For more information and tickets to Days of the Dead, visit daysofthedead.com. We have this news from Zoo Tampa in Tampa, Florida. We are currently auditioning for Zoo Tampa's Creatures of the Night, Tampa's premier family Halloween event, with more seasonal work opportunities at other events to come shortly. Creatures of the Night event rehearsal dates are September 23rd, 24th, and 27th, and you'll be working all Fridays and Saturdays in October for a total of 10 nights. Thursdays may be added by the zoo with at least two weeks' notice. You must be at least 18 for casting, and talent will be hired by Odd OT's Entertainment for these events. Get more information at B Morrow Talent. That's the letter B slash auditions. Auditions are June 24th through the 26th at Zoo Tampa, and we can't wait to meet you. We have this update to CreepyCon coming to Knoxville, Tennessee. Do you have a scream that belongs in the movies? Compete in our Scream Queen competition at CreepyCon. Sponsored by Screamville Haunted Attraction. (laughs) Saturday, August 21st at 3 p.m. Compete for the title of Scream Queen and win creepy prizes. Details and registrations online as well as more information at CreepyKnoxville.com. We have this news from the Hackney Haunts in Westminster, Maryland. In addition to the haunting of Hackney House, we're announcing the theme of our second haunt in the Westminster Mall this year. Our biggest, most elaborate haunt we've ever created by far, Hackney Haunts presents Bite Fight. Blamed for the ruthless attacks by werewolves on a small town, vampire Vlad Orpheus's wife was killed by the town in retaliation. Enraged, Vlad has enslaved the werewolves and continues to punish both them and the humans for his loss. The werewolves are now revolting, setting up an epic vampires versus werewolves battle for the ages. As you are thrown right into the middle of the action, whose side will you take in Bite Fight? We'll see you Friday and Saturday nights in October. Get more information at hackneyhaunts.com. We have this update from Flashback Weekend coming to Chicago. James Jude Courtney, the new Michael Myers, will be a guest at Flashback Weekend Chicago HorrorCon July 30th through August 1st at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Amazing guests including Tobin Bell and Shawnee Smith, Nick Castle, Kane Hodder, and Mark Rolston, Jeanette Goldstein, and a huge Friday the 13th Part 5 reunion featuring Melanie Kinneman, Deborah Voorhees, Dick Wyand, Ron Sloan, and Kara Locatell, and great Friday the, F- Friday the 13th 5 costume photo ops, and many more great guests to be announced. Many awesome special events, parties, and more. The original station wagon driven by Nick Castle from John Carpenter's Halloween will also be there. Visit flashbackweekend.com for more information. All COVID-19 updates and any new developments regarding COVID will also be posted on that website. Thank you, and we'll see you there. 
We have this news from Bush Gardens' Howlow Scream event coming to Tampa, Florida. Tampa's premier Halloween event returns earlier than ever, September 10th through October 31st, for 28 killer nights with scare zones and haunted houses, including two all-new haunted house experiences. Fear returns to its most immersive form with the return of iconic horror-filled haunted houses to terrify guests at Bush Gardens Hallow Scream, Tampa Bay's biggest haunt event. Park guests will find nowhere to hide as zombies, deranged clowns, werewolves, and new surprises stalk their prey throughout eight scare zones and unpredictable roaming hoarders lurk in the darkness. Beyond the Haunts, killer entertainment can be found on stage with fiends returning to the festival field and last year's best-kept secret, the Rolling Bones, performing electrifying rock covers at Dragonfire Grill. Hallow Scream is intended for a mature audience, This event contains intense adult content such as violence, gore, and blood. Hallow Scream 2021 is a separately ticketed night event and no costumes allowed. Get more information at bushgardens.com slash Tampa slash events slash howl dash o dash scream. And finally, we have this product news from Trick or Treat Studios. Are you looking for a way to cover up your sheep smuggling ring? Or possibly scare people away from a hidden treasure? Or maybe you just don't like meddling kids? Well then, our Scooby-Doo Villain Collection is for you. Shop the entire collection today at trickortreatstudios.com. Note, meddling kids are not included. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Since 2007, professional and home haunters alike have trusted our award-winning and dedicated skeleton crew to make their nightmares come true. Whether you need graphic design services, logos, websites, spooky visuals, or creepy changing portraits, we can help your business look its scary best. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> Broadcasting to you from the darkest reaches of the earth, this is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so you know, Haunters, we like to do some trends, we like to do some goofy things at times, and, and do some funny things, and you know, we... 
actually don't think of the impact it could possibly have on the future. Uh, what am I talking about? You know, well, how could that possibly happen? Well, we, we, we might be messing with people in the future, and especially the far distant future, 100 years or more, we might be messing up your, uh, you know, archaeologists, paleontologists, and just regular history buffs and stuff. You know, take for example, there's this one picture of a bridge opening, and there's a guy with sunglasses and a hockey jersey and stuff, and it doesn't look like normal clothing of the day, so some people think it might be a time traveler. And people have seen other um, pictures and things in movies where strange, strange people walking by looks like they're on a cell phone or something, and... You know, if you think about it, as haunters, we sometimes do these quirky things. We'll sometimes just go out in public wearing something quite different than than someone else. And we, we don't think of the long-term effects it might be having on historians and archaeologists and such. You know, especially one of the biggest trends I see on social media are the uh, people who will take a plastic skeleton and put it underneath, you know, their new deck. You know, in, into the foundation, or, or bury it up pretty good, and oh, wait till the next homeowners get it. Well, what if it's four or five homeowners down? And you know, are they going to think it's a real skeleton? No, but you know, they're going to find this plastic skeleton buried with care underneath it, and they're going to think we have some sort of weird death, fake death culture, where you know, we're we're we're, we're enshrining plastic skeletons and and that type of thing, and see pictures of of Halloween and some of the things we dress just like normal and public and stuff. I mean, could you imagine if, uh, you know, some of our post-apocalyptic Halloween costumes and stuff, you know, what if one of those is dead on for like 20 years and then another 100 years after that, they're like, oh, look, it's a time traveler. You know, this this mutant post-apocalyptic guy, he was at this this holiday event back in the, the early 2000s. Oh, so long ago. And, and my goodness. So we might be unwitting time travelers. And I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing. And as honors, well, we'll make the best of it. So until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. And in the meantime, share your opinions on the Big Scary Show Facebook page. And on Twitter, at Big Scary Store. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free gentlemen that music you hear does mean once again the round table of terror is here on the big scary show 
And you know, folks, every now and then we like to talk about the Haunted Attraction Association, the HAA. We had Brett Hayes on a few months ago talking about, you know, what he was going to be doing at Transworld and lots of things to go through with the HAA. But some big things have happened in the meantime. For one, Brett Hayes is no longer the president of the HAA. And two, they have rolled out a new three-year plan on how they wish to proceed, I guess, in a post-COVID world, and how joining the HAA can be a mutual benefit to everyone. So first of all, we'd like to welcome our special guest, the brand newly elected president of the Haunted Attraction Association, Mr. Spencer Terry from the Fear Factory SLC Haunted Attraction in Salt Lake City, Utah. Spencer, are you with us? I am here, gentlemen. Good to be with you again. It is a fantastic pleasure to have you back on the round table. And let's bring it on to our host here up in Rhode Island. We have Storm. Greetings from Rhode Island, the land of a thousand seasons a week. <laughs> <laughs> Down in Cincinnati, Ohio, we have Meat Hook Jim. Spencer, I'm jealous of that beard. Oh, thanks, man. It, it is a lovely beard. Uh, up in Columbus, Ohio, who the man who apparently has no power at the moment, so hopefully his phone will not die on us, the Haunstrumentalist, Jerry Vane. My beard is the same color, not as full, but at least I can put a, band, a rubber band around it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My name, is Drew, my name is Drew Badger from Charlotte. I also have a white beard, which ironically was not white before I had kids, but what are you going to do? So anyway, Spencer, first of all, we'd like to offer our sincere congratulations on you being the newly elected president of the Haunted Attraction Association. Thank you, sir. It's a, it's a lot of big shoes, a lot of work to do, but we're excited. Absolutely. Uh, Brett probably had big feet, so therefore big shoes. And we hope you can fill them as successfully as he has. But um, this all started, we got an email regarding your availability to talk about the new three-year plan that the Haunted Attraction Association has rolled out. Was this rolled out at Transworld or just after? Yeah, at Transworld during State of the Industry is when the full unveiling happened. Yes. Okay, well, tell us about how this came about. I understand, you know, Haunted Attraction Industry put out surveys put out questionnaires, where do you want to see the HAA go in the next few years? And for the benefit of people who may not know or may not be members, whether you're you know, a large haunted house or even a small home haunt, what exactly is the HAA? How does it benefit people? And then let's hear about your uh, three-year rollout plan. Yeah, let's... Um... That's Man, a lot, I know. It, it is. Um, I'm gonna, let me rewind just a little bit. So... Um... I'm going to rewind back to about COVID time. In fact, when I was on the show with our owners, Rob and Heidi, um, when we were talking about COVID and, and as we unveiled our, our contingency plan, um, COVID essentially, I think in many ways, the silver lining is that it forced us to rethink our current operations. Um, locally within all of our haunted houses, whether we were a small haunt or a large haunt, if we're a home haunt, if we're a nonprofit haunt, you name it. Um, that was certainly the case for us, uh, at fear factory. Um, but then now being on the board for HAA for the haunted attraction association, we also really started recognizing that there was a lot that we could have been doing more of. And so we started to try and put some of those puzzle pieces together. Um, but what we realized very quickly is that from a bandwidth perspective, it was hard. Um, you know, we're all, 
operators. Um, usually haunting is our, uh, is our second job or third job. Um, and, uh, and we weren't able to do everything that we wanted to do. And so that uh, led to a conversation about board members where we really, we really wanted to figure out how do we do more, but we didn't really know what direction to go. And so uh, the, the good news is that COVID allowed us, even though it was more stressful, I, I certainly here at Fear Factory in Utah, it was probably, I would say, one of my most, um, one of my most hardest years professionally uh, and personally, certainly. And um, it gave us a chance to just kind of rethink everything. And so the board of directors from HAA uh, got together and started really thinking about how are we going to best be able to do this? And we realized very quickly that we can't do it with the leadership that we have because, you know, Brett Hayes was a fantastic president, but he is busier than ever. And he just now has taken on um, even more with his laser business. Um, Same with our VP, Billy. And so um, Billy and uh, Brett Hayes made a decision on their own and said, you know, at this point, we need to bring in people who have more dedicated time to be able to do what we've been wanting to do for a good year and a half. Um, insert Cody Bailey and I, so Cody Bailey from Hush Haunted House um, up in Michigan, myself here in Utah, um, voted in as president and vice president. And then Terry, uh, Terry Bernstein and uh, Jim Bogus are both still on our officers team. But then our board of directors got together and we built a, a steering committee to really start thinking about how to best do this. Uh, we ended up polling. Um, we did three different surveys um, and a huge shout out. Um, I think you guys also, in fact, not I think, I know you guys did. You posted the survey, the industry-wide survey out to everyone. So thanks again for that. Because that was able to bring us hundreds of data points that we were able to really look at, uh, you know, how how are we doing as an industry? Um, and we actually rolled out three different surveys. Uh, the first one was an internal audit for us as board members to pretty much check in as far as, you know, what skill sets do we have? How much more are we willing to offer? You know, what's our own personal bandwidth? How much can we really do? Um, what faults are there currently within our own operating, uh, operating um, component of HAA? And just kind of a really good internal assessment. The second survey went to all current members, so members who are actually in the database that were um, that were currently at that point members. Um, and then the third went to the entire industry, literally everyone from actors to makeup artists to builders, tech crew, um, owners, operators, you name it, anybody. And so those three surveys allowed us to really gauge. Um, what were we were doing right, what we were going to do wrong, um, what we have been doing wrong, as well as kind of just giving us a really good synopsis of what the industry was going to need. And from there, we locked and loaded. Um, we put together this steering committee, which was half of our board of directors. Um, the goal was is that if we were really going to do this, we needed to have everybody on board. Um, our entire board had to be involved. Uh, we actually put some, we can certainly talk about accountability measures later on, um, but we've put some board member accountability measures as well. You know, you don't just get to be on the board at this point and not show up to any meetings. It's not going to fly. Um, and so um, we're really pushing ourselves internally to really do more and to be more and to be more present, uh, which is really cool because that's all led by us. We're the ones that are ultimately making those decisions. And uh and we, you know, we put together this whole plan and uh, it's been pretty awesome now to see how we've, we've put this together and it's, uh, it's kind of a, a collaborative 
effort uh, of these different three different tiers um, or three different surveys, excuse me. Uh, and we built this three-year plan that essentially lets us, uh, lets us prioritize items for year one, year two, and year three, both for low, middle, and high-hanging fruit. So I think that's the beauty of the plan is that we really wanted to make sure we weren't biting off more than we could chew. Um, but we, we also really wanted to make sure we were pushing the envelope on what we can offer members. So um, there's a lot of criteria that's going to be involved, um, things that we're shifting, uh, everything from, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times people hear the HAA and they think, holy crap, those are just for these mega haunted houses um, that are pushing, you know, millions of dollars of revenue. Um, the reality is, is that we have more members who are small, medium attractions. I would even say 10,000 attendees or less. Um, some of the are even, you know, we even have, we have an individual level for actors and for uh, tech crew and for makeup artists and for all of those other folks that are staff at a haunted house. They're not just an owner or operator. And so that's part of this plan is that we're not only bringing membership benefits to owners and operators and not just owners and operators that are these mega, you know, higher end attractions, but we really wanted to focus on how do we bring in, what are the things that are going to be benefit beneficial in the uh, bringing in membership benefit for middle attractions, for small attractions, for home haunt attractions, for nonprofit attractions, um, all of the above. Cause at the end of the day, like that's what makes this industry so amazing is that We've got people, I mean, even at Transworld, I connected some folks that are home haunters that they're just getting in for their second year and connecting them to a couple of different vendors to help them build a better home haunt. To me, that's what this industry is about. Like you, you, we need to do more of connecting those dots and that's kind of what this plan is about. So um, we're pretty excited about it. It's going to really help us leverage networking, uh, marketing and education. So we're, we're pretty excited about it. When, when you got the results of the surveys, were there a startling perception or was there a, a perception of the HAA that you were not expecting that the people thought you were? I mean, did they think you were just some mysterious group of people that hid in the shadows in the cigar filled rooms and, and made policy? Or were there any like real surprises that, boy, I didn't expect people thought this about us or thought this about the state of the industry? I think my biggest surprise uh, was that uh, according to our industry survey, 70% of the people who took the survey did not know they could become a member because they were not an owner or operator. 70%. So we're talking all of the staff in, across the globe who are part of a haunted attraction didn't know that they could be members. Um, which again goes back to a learning moment for us about how do we better market us as an organization. Um, I think that's a that's certainly a key factor. In fact, we have we've now put together an entire marketing plan um, and a marketing strategic advisory committee that's helping us to make sure that we're not only marketing our internal content to members, but our external content to the whole world about what we do, who we are. So, and I think the. Um, the other part, the, not going to lie, uh, it was not surprising to us, uh, which was that a lot of people said, I'm a member, but I don't know what I get. I, I, I give you my money, but I don't really know. I don't, you know, what's my ROI? What's my return on investment? And, um, and that was a good, and we as board, we felt the same way. I mean, we're all volunteer. None of us get paid, um, but we wanted to do more. And I remember when I was a member, you know, when I was a first member a decade ago. And I was like, I, 
I kind of feel like I need to do this because I'm 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 a small little you know I'm a two thousand attract or a two thousand attendee nonprofit haunted house in the middle of Iowa. Um, I need to be part of this attraction association because I think that's what I'm supposed to do, but I don't really know. And uh, there weren't really a lot of applicable things to me in that smaller scenario that made it worth it for me to stay. And by year three or four, I think I was I, I wasn't a member. And so, um, so those are all learning moments that I'm carrying uh, and that some of us as board members are carrying as well about how do we better um, be available to, to support each other uh, if it's content-based, if it's knowledge-based, uh, education-based, all of that. Um, and so those are some, some really big learning moments that helped us uh, be able to really devise this marketing strategy that's going to allow us to hopefully reach a, a very more a very broad and diversified audience. That it's not just about these, you know, massive hundred houses. Um, the, the industry, I would say, if I were to give a guess number to it, without knowing all the data, because I don't know that we actually have that data. Anyone, I don't think anyone does. But I would say probably sixty-five or seventy percent of our entire industry is probably made up of haunted houses that are probably 25,000 attendees or below. So um, it makes sense to make sure that we're focusing our efforts into that majority uh, to be able to help them be successful. Because if they're successful, then, you know, the ships rise on the same ocean. So uh, we, we have to figure out how to do that. This might be a good time for somebody listening to this for the first time. And they're an actor or a makeup artist, as you mentioned, or a small or medium or even a large haunt owner just to kind of define, you know, like you said, they didn't know what they get out of it. Yeah. What, what is an advantage of being a member of the HAA? What, what exactly do you get out of it, either an owner or an individual? I mean, wh- why should I join? Yeah, let's do that plug. Um, let's start <laughs> with three. There's three current uh, membership levels. Um, I say the word current because um, one of the things that we're looking at is our year two and year three is to actually rebuild these tiers. Um, quite frankly, I think they were good, you know, at, at the inception, you know, when we first created HAA, um, but that has shifted a little bit. So we currently have three tiers. The, uh, the first tier is our individual level um, or an associate level, which is a $50 level. That's good for any actor, um, any makeup artist, any build crew, tech crew, lighting crew, you name it, um, anyone. Anyone in the haunt industry in general can be part of that level. Um, The next up from that is what's called a small business level. The small business level is $125 price, uh, which typically means that you're a smaller business, you're an actual business that's running. Um, and you uh, bring in $100,000 or less in gross cash revenue for the year. The third part, uh, the third level is our, um, is our, our level, which is for $100,000 or more in revenue, which is a $250 price. So those are the three levels. Um, and of course, as we just talked about, that massive percent of attractions probably isn't doing $100,000 in revenue. And so that's why we're looking at how do we bring in another tier that's going to make it beneficial for folks. Um, I, even for home haunters, you know, to be able to at least be that 100 or to be that $50 level, I, 
I don't know. I don't, uh, I should say, I don't know a home haunt that currently is bringing in a hundred thousand dollars. Um, you guys might, but I, I certainly can't think of anyone off the top of my head. So, um, but that allows them currently at an individual level to say, Hey, listen, my name's Spencer and I run this home haunt in Utah and here's my 50 bucks so I can be an associate member and boom, it's done. So, um, but let's talk about benefits. So there have been a decent amount of benefits. Um, and the idea is that within two years time, we want to triple that current ROI, that return on investment. Um, so let's say for example, so Drew, you give me, um, you give me $125 for a small attraction level. My goal t-shirt. Yeah, we exactly. So this is actually part of our survey that we talked about. (laughs) Um, so is part of being that member or that level. My goal is that I want you to have a minimum $700 in value of what you're going to get back. That's the idea. So one of the things that we're leveraging right now um, are some pretty big uh, national platform levels. So I'm currently working with um, Alpha Graphics. Um, Alpha Graphics is uh, it's a printing company, kind of like FedEx, Kinkos, or like any of those other really big national name printers. Um, but Alpha Graphics, we're working with them to get a 10 or 15% discount on all printing across the nation for any member. So if it's banners, if it's um, staff handbooks, if it's instructions, you name it, um, all of that. Sherwin-Williams, none of us use black paint. So that's the good news is Sherwin-Williams says, hey, we'll hook you guys up. We'll give you a really good discount if you're a member. You just have to show us your membership card and they're anywhere between 10 to 20% off depending on what there is. Um, Fearworm, uh, which is a a local uh, marketing company, um, not local, but specific to our industry. It's an internal industry group. Um, they just kill it on the marketing side. Um, you know, even we, in Fear Factory, we used them in the first year they came to us and they're like, well, here's what we think you can do for you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, you can't. I will, I know my market. I know what I can do. There's just no way. Um, and they blew their numbers out of the water for us. And I, I don't, they have, they have, I, I think of it like buying power. Sometimes you just go to a Walmart because it's cheaper because they can buy in bigger bulk. And that's what Fearworm does is they leverage that skill to be able to get into markets or Snapchat or to advertise on TikTok. Um, those are all things that typically would cost any of us on the call. Uh, it would cost us anywhere between ten dollars to $15,000 each. So what they do is they buy that power and then they, they break that up into their different clients so that the different clients can have access onto these onto these. Um, uh, these portals. So, so Fearworm's been really great. So Fearworm does a $250 social media audit for free for any member that's an associate level or above. Um, and so what that allows them to do, you know, is a business, your benefit right there, it, your membership just became free at that point, because you're able to get a membership value that's going to help you be a better marketer, understand analytics more. They're not going to pitch it and be like, Hey, and here's what you can do. And here's what you can buy from us at Fearworm. It's not how they roll. Um, in fact, we had uh, ten. We had ten different members last year that did this social media audit, and all ten of them were like, "Holy crap! That was the best money I could have ever spent, and it was for free." Um, so it really helped us be able to think about how we can better, um, better bring that uh, that needed skill set to our members. In fact, marketing was the number two thing that members said they need more knowledge of. So, um, so we're working with Fairroom to bring in some more of that ROI. 
Um, and then you've got everything from uh, our chaos certification program. Um, in some states, that, that chaos is actually required um, by some state fire marshals. So a lot of times people are like, I don't understand what this chaos thing is. If you don't know what chaos is, chances are it's because your state doesn't require it. Um, but some states do. It's actually part of the fire, the National Fire Protection Agency um, requires that. So there's a lot of jurisdiction and, and hoops that we kind of have to jump through. But um, we're also working on building an actor-based national um, systemic training program so that in actors, uh, right, Drew? I know I see your thumbs up, uh, double thumbs up. The, um, the idea is, is that if, you know, let's say that I'm, you know, I'm Spencer and I work at Fear Factory in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I move and I go to Pennsylvania. I want to be able to walk into a haunted house in Pennsylvania and say, hi, you don't know who I am, but I'm trained by this, whatever the name is, we're going to call it this actor training. Um, but this HAA program and immediately that haunted attraction owner knows that I'm up to speed on safety. I'm up to speed on how I do weapons training. If I can or can't touch actors, um, sexual harassment training, diversity and equity training, all those different things that are going to help the industry become really more cohesive and supportive. Um, that's going to be a really big issue uh, that we think is coming down the pipe as we see more and more people going to different haunted houses. So we're working on building that right now. That obviously is, is a two or three year plan because there's education involved and curriculum and uh, we got there's a whole bunch of things coming up, but we're really excited about that. Um, and then there's, there's goodness. I mean, there's just so much. This new plan that we rolled out has 70 different uh, 70 different membership benefits. I would say 15 or 20 of them are already in effect. Uh, one of the things that most people haven't, haven't quite understood of part of being an HAA member is the national, uh, the national PR campaign. In fact, I even just recently, myself just recently learned about this last year. Um, and so a lot of times you see these, um, you know, like you see Forbes or uh, uh, USA Today or the Travel Channel or, um, any of these like parenting magazine, and they come up with like a top 2,500 houses in the country list, right? Like we've all seen those lists. The content from those comes from, and I shouldn't say the content, the contact comes from the HAA. So what we do is all of our members every year, um, about two months before the season starts, uh, you've got to get together your own social or not your not social media, but your own content. So a couple of, of pictures, a write up of your attraction and some basic numbers. And then that all gets sent to HAA. HAA puts this together in this national PR campaign. And we send that to all of the national media outlets. What I didn't know is that when those national media outlets, you know, when someone is in the newsroom and says, hey, I need you to hit this beat on haunted houses you know, scary time is coming. It's Halloween season pretty soon. Go out and do a story. And these people are like, okay, where, where the hell am I going to start? Like, I don't, I, I know my haunted houses locally, but I don't know my haunted houses nationally. That's where they go to this list. And they pull up the list. They look for different haunted houses and they, from there, research those haunted houses. And that's what gets into that story. So it's a pretty big leverage piece um, that I really wasn't familiar about how we actually do it. Um, and that's it. So it's a that's a pretty awesome way to be able to get some national marketing. And of course, a lot of local uh, local news and media folks will use that list as well if they want to do a local story, which is kind of cool. The same thing on the crisis hotline. That's something we've had for a while. 
Uh, we work with a local group so that if they're, um, you know, hopefully that this doesn't happen to anyone at this point, it's kind of like an insurance policy. I hope you never have to use it. Um, but if there's a crisis, if it's, there's an active shooter, if there's um, a fire, if there's uh, something catastrophic that happens within your attraction while you're operating or when you're not operating, but the media shows up and you're like, shoot, like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how I should, how, how do I navigate this, this crisis? Pick up the phone. This is the best part for members. You pick up the phone. Uh, they have a 24 hour uh, line that you can pick it up and say, here's what's going on. And they'll immediately start working with you. They'll actually assign someone to you. It's part of a group that we, um, that we've used for years. Uh, and that's been really beneficial. So um, that's always helped, helped people be able to plan and to also respond to a, a number of scenarios. So, so those are even just some of those 70 different items in this new plan that we're really trying to roll out. Um, perhaps one of our biggest and most beneficial is going to be a Facebook group. It seems like a really easy thing to do. Um, HAA had this years ago, but it just wasn't, um, we didn't feel like it was the right time or the management. There wasn't enough bandwidth. Um, but we, we have to figure out how to be able to communicate better, more efficiently, and to share more resources in a more effective way. Uh, and quite frankly, it's, that's not happening right now. And so, um, so in looking at the best way to do it and to look at what people are using as the, the biggest platform industry-wide, it's Facebook. So that allows us then to be able to build a group within our, um, our HAA. So it'll be a members-only group. Um, every month, there's going to be content. Every month, there'll be education videos. Uh, we're going to host some networking videos as well. Um, and to go back to what we were talking about every about um, earlier about how really the HAA is made for everyone. Uh, one of the things that we're going to do is a couple of different mixers. And those mixers are going to be attendance-based. So if you're a zero to 10,000 attendance, there's going to be a mixer just for that group. If you're a 10,000 to 30,000, there's going to be a mixer for that group and 30,000 plus there'll be a mixer for that group. Because quite frankly, you know, what's relevant to, you know, to me here in Salt Lake is not going to be relevant for someone who owns a haunted house in a rural, you know, in rural Kentucky. It's going to, it is going to be different. And so um, we want to make sure that we're, we're not only giving members a chance to network and connect um, with like-minded people and like-minded attractions, but also to make sure that um, the resources are also matched as well. So, so there's a lot coming. Pretty excited about it. Nice. I do want to remind you, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show. We're going to take a very quick break, and we will be right back. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Drivers, where are we? Jerry Bain takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from instrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror, talking with Spencer Terry, the new president of the Haunted Attraction Association, along with our regular host. And Spencer, you touched on it before the break a little bit about chaos and the chaos safety seminars that are offered at Transworld 
have been offered at Midwest, I believe, and some other shows. Um, that has been going on for the better part of a decade, if I remember. And it's yeah. so important these days with safety going on, especially now, even COVID related, has probably put a whole new layer on this whole thing. But um, a lot of people are still unfamiliar with what chaos is. They may see it in the programs and, you know, you can sign up for this seminar, but it, it definitely benefits pretty much every haunted attraction out there, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, chaos stands for Certified Haunted Operator, um, excuse me, Haunted, wow, I can't believe I just messed that up. Certified Haunted Attraction Operator Safety. Um, and what it essentially does, I, I think it, it does a lot of things uh, depending on where you're at. So, you know, we just had a home haunter uh, who was just in the class that Brett Mulder and I just taught at Transworld. And he said, you know, I've always tried to cut costs and I've always tried to just make my haunt as cheap as I can and have fun doing it. Um, but this has made me realize that it's worth the extra 50 bucks, the extra 100 bucks to get fire retardant plastic or to use materials that I can put a retardant on. Um, to me, that's the most beneficial thing to hear coming out of that class, because I think all of us, um, regardless of our size, regardless of how many people we have come through, regardless of what our bottom line looks like, uh, at the end of the day, it's only going to take one of us to ruin it for all of us. And, um, and I certainly, you know, I think about myself when I was a small little nonprofit attraction in Iowa. Um, and, and I look back now and there's things that I was doing then that I was like, oh my gosh, there's even things now that as our build crew is putting things together here at Fear Factory and, you know, we're looking at the designs and we're making sure everything's good to go. Um, and someone, you know, and that's why we have six different people who review all of that build plan before we actually do it is because we want to make sure every single thing is, is in line with, uh, with as much safety as possible. And so chaos, as you said, Drew, chaos was designed years ago to be able to help benefit safety protocol for the industry. And in some States it's required if you're, a, if you're a haunted attraction, um, there's some States that literally like you have to show them your chaos certification. Um, and then you usually have a little bit of extra training to do, but it counts as part of your accreditation. But the nice thing about it is that it, um, it, helps to reinforce safety protocol as well as just general information about how to operate your attraction, whether it's small, medium, large, doesn't matter. Um, I think, you know, one of the most beneficial things that most people don't know about being a member, and I'm going to use Fear Factory as an example. So uh, this will be, I think my, I don't know, 10, 11, eh, probably 10 or 11th trans world. Um, and every year for the last six years, Fear Factory flies staff to Transworld with us, um, partially because we want to show them the beauty, the sexiness of our industry at its best. Like there, I mean, let's be honest, there's nothing better than walking on that Transworld floor and seeing an industry that you love magnified by a hundred. And, you know, for me personally, when I was a small little haunter, that was the moment for me when I walked on that floor and I realized, holy shit. There's thousands of people in the world who think and act just like I do, and they're willing to spend the money that I want to spend, and people are spending more or less. It's just great. And it's the same thing. That's why chaos is taught at Transworld is because that's where the majority comes, and that's where we're going to put the majority of our eggs to make sure that we are educating people the right way, that they're getting the right content, the right education that they need. Um, and then there's also classes that are certified 
um, by the HAA to be able to be a, a chaos credit. Um, and really quick, just to make sure everyone understands how chaos works. So you have four hours that's considered your core base, your core training. That's the four hour big safety seminar that happens usually Thursday morning. Uh, and we're going to see what we can do to get one more in because some people say they can't be there Thursday. So we're working on that. Um, and then you have four other one hour classes that can be taken over the next three years. It doesn't all have to be done in one year. Uh, and then that allows you to get your chaos certification. Uh, certification, the nice thing about it is that, you know, you get a cool, you get a cool plaque and like we show that to our fire marshal when they show up. In fact, we just had a new fire marshal that changed on its honest this year. And uh, as part of that conversation, we're like, you know, we're all, we not only, cause we fly our staff there. We have, I think fair factory may pro I think we probably are. I think we have like 25 staff that are, that are trained in chaos now because part of being a member is that your chaos class does not cost $65. Like it does everybody else. It costs 10. And so as a member of an attraction, as an owner, as an operator, I want as many of my staff as possible to go. So I save up, you know, whatever, whatever we are, whatever we're doing as an attraction, you know, fear factory, we save up our flights, we save up all of our points. And that's what we do. We, instead of our owners taking a vacation somewhere, they choose to put it back into the company. So we fly some of our staff and we, every year we take some of our leadership. We're about 75% of our 45 staff um, that we want to have trained in chaos are almost done. And so we're really excited about that. So chaos is definitely something that it's, uh, it's available. And if you're at trans world and you're already a member, you should be signing your staff up for that so they can get that chaos certification. So, and of course that four hour block is what's uh, $10 instead of the 65. The other four credits, obviously three of these, you have to pay for the seminars, but the fourth one is free, which you can go to the state of the industry. Um, and that's a free credit um, by being part of, again, part of this networking of, um, of membership of our members. So, yeah. And, and let's not forget the bottom line, which is always, always seems to be money. Um, there are insurance companies that will give your haunted attraction a discount if you are chaos certified. Is that correct? Yes, we're working more on that. In fact, one of the things that we want to do is we want to look at how insurance companies are benefiting our industry, not the other way around. Um, so in doing so, we're looking at how we can leverage chaos um, as one of those requirements. You know, if you are a member and you're part of chaos and, you know, we've been talking about this actor training that at some point, if all of our actors are also trained on safety, Again, that's going to reduce your liability from an insurance carrier. And so we want to be able to use all of those things and be able to regulate, not regulate it, but we want to be able to track that so that we can then take that to an insurance body and say, here's what we're willing to do. What are you willing to give us? Um, and I think long-term, that'll be really beneficial. Absolutely. Any uh, questions from the hosts at this point? Uh, Spencer, in the plan and everything, one of the biggest questions we'll see is people wanting to just get in the haunt industry or get into it. Uh, a lot of times it'd be like, oh, I'm a home haunter and I want to get into something. What I'm starting to see more of is other industries, other venues and stuff 
asking about haunting, whether it's one of these, uh, I've seen country clubs, I've seen the uh, farm agriculture want to yeah. get into it. I've even seen some of these, you know, places that normally will just do weddings. They want to look to expand their season. And especially the success of like the drive through Christmas thing we saw across uh, the country this year is part of the plan to reach out and work with some of these other industries and places to draw them into the haunt attraction industry. Yeah, Storm, that's a great question. Um, the, the short answer is yes. So um, it's very multifaceted. I'm trying to think of the best way to, to describe this. Um, so one, not only are there, there uh, HAA is planning on a member ROI specifically for owners and operators. We haven't even had a chance to talk about vendors yet. There's a whole other arm that's being developed about how we support our vendors better. How do we make sure that the products are getting out there um, to the members, to people who are going to be buying them uh, year round, not just something that happens, you know, three, four, five months out of the year. Um, we're also looking at any vendors that donate to the HAA auction, because essentially that money is just being used again for membership industry-wide. And so we want to take better care of those vendors as well that are making those donations. And so there's a whole bunch of kind of built like a sponsorship deck, but it's a donation deck um, for those folks. So that's coming, um, that's coming into play at Oscars, um, which is our big awards banquet of the night. Um, that's getting a whole new overhaul. Uh, we have two board members that are solely committed to just making that event pop. Uh, it's there. The, some of the ideas that they have, and they're already re reaching out to vendors and signing on vendors to help make that more of a production. And we're we're a, we're we're event management, right? Like we're producers. This is what we do. So why not throw a party on behalf of what this awards party is? So um, so that's coming down the line, and all of that included includes reaching out to members that are out of our industry and making sure that they understand. You kind of the W's of our industry. What is it? How big is it? Um, I, I think we're seeing a bigger trend. We, Chris, we use Christmas as an example. There's a reason why the Christmas show is at the Halloween show. Let's be honest. Um, they're seeing what's happening in their industry and they're realizing that Halloween is taking the cake. And so we have other industries that are coming to us saying, hey, you guys seem to always have a lot of fun and you always got the coolest toys. We want to play in your sandbox too. And so we're working on ways that we can make sure that they have the tools that they need. Um, but also we want to make sure that they're connected to the right people in our industry who can be helpful and beneficial to them. So um, we're even looking at a, about a, a part of our three-year plan is to look at uh, a vendor purchasing program. So if, you know, and this is again, a vetting, we're going to, we'll be going through a whole feasibility study to vet how uh, not only the, the vendors, but how we're going to do this, but we want to find ways that we can ensure that people are buying from vendors who are going to ship on time. They're going to ensure the product is on time, that it's a guaranteed product, that it is going to work when it arrives. Um, because we keep hearing time and time again, that there are vendors that don't do that. Um, and we want to find ways to make sure that members are able to buy and at least know who these folks are um, to be able to have, uh, to be able to, if you're going to spend your money, you might as well spend it in a way that's going to maximum benefit your attraction. So we want to help do that. So there's no lots. Names. No names on vendors who may have a reputation for not delivering the, uh, shall we say, products up to uh, expectations. <clears throat> Correct. Yeah. We, we will not mention any of those. 
Well, mm-hmm. even on that, you know, it's the spirit of, of this plan and everything. It sounds like, you know, even the long-term goal is to fix those types of relationships and stuff. You know, vendors like Haunts, sometimes you get in over your head and you have a good intention and a neat product, but sometimes execution becomes an issue. And if you have, you know, as a, a vendor, one bad year of execution, yeah, you can become a butt of a joke for 10 years. And yeah. it really sounds like that this uh, plan by HAA is to help even combat that. Yeah. And that's the goal. I mean, this is where this, you know, year one, year two, year three, and low, middle and high hanging fruit. That's part of the plan is, you know, how do we make sure we get what we need in a, both a timely manner, um, but something that's going to be beneficial for everyone, whether you're a home haunter or you're a, you know, $2 million attraction. Sounds great. Any other questions from the co-hosts at this point? Well, Man, Spencer, I if, that much, huh? Shoot. No, it, it, it's been very informative at this point. So looking at the clock, we probably need to wind down. I know you have duties to attend to after this. So let's go ahead and you make your plug. I'm, you know, I run a small home haunt. Uh, Jim runs a small haunted trail. Jerry runs a medium-sized haunt, but never goes to any of the trade shows. Storm has a product that, you know, he contracts out to other people to sell for him. Why should the four of us join the HAA? I think um, one of the things that, that was highly um, both in terms of surprise, but also enlightening that came from our surveys was that the one thing that people feel like they need more than anything else was networking education and camaraderie. I think in many ways, HAA has also missed that boat because we haven't been able to really bring together a network. A lot of times the conference does that. Transworld does that. Other conferences throughout the nation, you know, regional spaces. Um, But that's part of the plan is that we are stronger together um, and we have to figure out how to be able to network together, to be able to share more resources and and, and intel together. Um, And part of this will be through that Facebook group to be able to, to, you know, someone to post out there, hey guys, I'm thinking about buying this prop or does anybody have any suggestions about using this kind of paint or um, what kind of, what color glow paint works the best under a black light? Those are all questions that some of us know, some of us don't know. And the more we are connected and we can share those resources, I think will be great. Um, Not to mention it comes from everything else, uh, other membership benefits from pricing discounts. And it's not just, you know, I don't, you know, I said this in state of the industry, but I don't really want, a, I don't want $5 off bacon. I love bacon. Don't get me wrong, but it's not going to help me. It's not going to be beneficial. And so I really need to have discounts that are applicable to us as an industry. Um, and so that's why we're looking at discounts at printers and, and banner making companies and at paint and for Sherwin Williams um, marketing. That was the number, the top three things that people said they needed more than anything was number one, legal, number two, marketing, and number three, general operations and safety. And so we're focusing um, these monthly meetings and videos to be able to help fill those gaps. So I would assume that the four of you have some of those gaps as well, as do I. Um, and that allows us to be able to fill those gaps and hopefully get to share with each other too. Is we as a board, we one of the things that we're also very keen on is we're not the all-knowing, we're not the all-knowing folks of the industry. Like we you know, the membership voted us into these positions. 
And our goal is to do the best for the industry. And I think um, that's where, you know, even these monthly videos that we're going to start doing, they're not all just board members talking. It's bringing in members who do have an expertise in something so we can utilize their, um, their skill set and their expertise as well. So it really is about sharing, connecting, um, and just being stronger together. So I think, I think in a year from now, um, my, uh, you know, I, I've told a couple of people this already, which is, you know, the proofs in the pudding a year from now, we're going to stand up at state of the industry and trans world. And, um, we're going to be accountable as a, the whole board will be there to be able to say, here's what we did, right? Here's what we did wrong. And the ones that we haven't completely done, we're moving to the following year. Um, but at this point we're full speed ahead and, uh, we're, we're already ahead of where we thought we'd be. So, and we're not even two months in at this point. So. Mm -hmm. We're kicking ass and taking names and moving quick, but it's what we need. So we need to do. Just to clarify, none of us are actually those people I mentioned. We were just fictional examples, but, um, yes. <laughs> but uh, last question from me. And if anybody else has a question, please throw it out afterwards. But um, as an HAA member, how much time do I need to invest in this? Do I need to come to these monthly video viewings? Do I need to be at the state of the industry at Transworld? You know, if, if I can't go to Transworld or if I'm too busy during build season to take an hour, two hours and watch a video, you know, how much time do I or most people need to invest in being a member? That's a fantastic question. Um, let's start first with Transworld. So we recognize that as part of HAA, that even though we're doing a lot of live events at Transworld, not everyone is there. Our entire industry is not at Transworld. Um, eventually, will they be? Probably. A lot of people, we have new people every year that come. Um, and we want to find ways that we can bring more people to Transworld because that is where the masses are at. So there is more opportunity to network. Um, that said, we're also focusing on pushing our efforts to more online. Um, so for example, State of the Industry was filmed because we recognize not everybody's going to be in the room. A lot of our vendors were on the show floor, so they're not able to come in and see the state of the industry. So we filmed it. It's currently live. You can actually see it. It's on our Facebook profile on Haunted Attraction Association's Facebook. Um, it's right there. It's 50 minutes. Um, there's also a boiled down 20 minute version that's both written and an audio version from Haunted Attraction Network. Um, so you can look at all of those and that'll give you a really great synopsis of what we're doing. But that's the idea. The same thing with the, uh, these monthly videos, they'll all be recorded. So a lot of times what we know is that it's the owners or operators, you know, they may have time, they may not have time. It's kind of like, I'll get to it when I get to it. And that's why we're going to make sure these are recorded. Um, originally we were thinking we were going to go live and we were going to do these live things every month. And very quickly we, as we discussed it more, um, we realized that that's not going to be helpful. So we're going to do them recorded instead. Um, but there will be a couple of things that are going to be, um, that will be live. These mixers, for example, those are of course going to be live. And then those will be set, you know, two months ahead. It's probably going to happen in the winter time um, when things are a little bit slower for all of us. And we have a, a chance to breathe and really kind of connect and use the downtime to then be able to make those connections and then run with those connections. So yeah, lots of learning. There's a <laughs> lot of learning involved, but um, uh, I'm, I'm really pleased you know, my, my background comes from corporate management. And so this is, this, the idea is to bring some of that into this industry and really kind of leverage uh, a new way of doing business. So pretty excited. Any final questions from the co-host? 
Uh, Spencer, if people are still, you know, on the fence, want some more information of, you know, just that, like a website's um, frequently asked questions, you know, they may have been burned by other associations in the past or, or want to get a feel of who the membership is, you know, find out if it's going to feel like a clicky thing or more of the community thing we like in uh, Haunted Attractions. Are there ways for people to reach out to members? Is there, you know, like you mentioned, a Facebook page or something for non-members to sort of dip their toe in the water and find out more about, you know, the organic nature of HAA? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we obviously have our Facebook page. Um, that's going to give you a little bit of that information. Um, certainly, you know, I'll be the first to admit this. Um, I'm okay that there's folks that are probably going to be on the fence because they at some point have probably been burned by another association and it may have even been HAA. Um, I think, you know, we're all good at some point and we're all bad at some point. And so as we go up and down, um, I, I really do think a year from now, we'll be able to be in a much better space um, than we currently are. That's going to also allow us, though, some time to build up a lot of this, this networking component. Um, this is part of why we want this Facebook group and we want to build this for members is because we want members to be able to have access to us at any time. Um, Certainly, you can go to our website, which is hauntedattractionassociation.com. You can click contact us. You can email us. There's a phone number. You can pick that up and, and make a phone call. Um, we'd love to chat with you more about what's happening. Um, Brett Mulder currently has the, um, has the phone is answering those calls and, and or can delegate out to any one of us. Um, and as board members, we, we're also working on ways that we can make sure that we're available more as well. So um, you, you're welcome to reach out to us. Our names um, in our haunted houses are on uh, the website, the HAA website, and you're welcome to reach out to us, myself, um, any of us. So we'd, we'd love to chat more and, and help connect some dots. Um, and not going to lie, I, I agree. I think a lot of times I've heard that click word um, a, a lot. Um, and I think, uh, I think a lot of folks believe that HAA is made up of really big elite haunted attractions um, from, I mean, personally, like we're a pretty big attraction here in Salt Lake city, but I also come from, you know, my first haunt was home haunting for 20 years. And my, my attraction that I had in Iowa was 2000 people or less. And so I really am trying to make this feel, um, more like home and more where people are, are here and welcomed. And, um, we're going to do our best to do that. Uh, definitely sounds good in plan. And yeah, I mean, that click thing, it even goes with some of your uh, haunted attractions and stuff. I remember, you know, once I go to larger haunted attractions as a staff member, uh, there's an area where some of the managers would sit and it's sort of the joke became the VIP lounge. And, you know, it was their own little party within a party type of thing. And it's, it's, uh. you know, that type of thing where stuff doesn't become organic and, uh, you know, other a group of members might not seem approachable. So I love that you, you explained on how you, people can actually reach out to board members that even uh, currently uh, emails are being responded to and calls are being responded to and, and spread back out. So that's, that's what I think will combat that type of, um, you know, um, oh, uh, j just way people might've thought about organizations in the past and even within their own haunts. Yeah. You know, Storm, I said this at State of the Industry and I didn't really even, I didn't, the words just kind of came out. Um, and, and, and as I was watching the recording of it, I realized that I had my own little aha moment. 
Um, but I said, um, I just kind of, I asked, you know, how many of you feel like this plan is really great? Well, the hands were raised. And I said, you know, at the end of the day, we're not trying to change an industry. Uh, we're not even trying to change our association, but we're trying to change a culture. And, um, and I feel like a culture is one of the hardest things to change. Um, but that said, I, I would encourage anyone to come look at how we operate at Fear Factory because there's a reason why, I mean, our staff calls it a fear family. That, that click, that, that VIP lounge, it doesn't exist. And if any of our leaders or our management um, think that that's worth doing, they don't get to work here. And I feel like as a board, that's one of the things that we've also talked about is we have to be more available to be able to help do more things and to be more accessible. Um, and in fact, we actually have just recently done um, this, uh, there must've been 30 or 40 different skill sets. Um, Cause we asked in the surveys, what do people want from us as a board to make sure that we're doing what's asked of us. Um, and so we're doing our own skills assessment that will also be published. So, you know, let's say, you know, Storm, you're, you know, here you are an attraction owner and you're like, you know, I'm getting harassed about this uh, ADA stuff. I, I need to reach out to someone who knows more about ADA. Go on, the, go on, look at this list and you can be like, all right, I see five different board members that feel like they're experts in ADA. I'm going to reach out to those five so that I can at least get some information. That's what we want to be able to do. We want to be able to really start connecting these dots better. So, um, I, and I think between our Facebook group um, and other ways of how we're going to be able to communicate that and just open that, uh, open that up a little bit more. I think it'll be beneficial long-term, but in a year from now, we'll, uh, you guys can put my feet on the coals and uh, we'll see how well we did. And we probably will. Love Once it. again, this is the, this is the part of the show we normally call the plugs. I know you plugged the HAA just a moment ago, but uh, do it again where people can get more information about the Haunted Attraction Association websites, social medias, and go ahead and plug Fear Factory SLC as well. How can people get more information about that? And when's your opening day? Yeah, so um, hauntedattractionassociation.com, also haahaunts.com. Um, but the Haunted Attraction Association is where you'll be able to get most information. Uh, obviously, we're current, because this is in motion, this whole plan is in motion, we're also updating our website to show more of what's happening because literally every couple of months there's going to be new updates. Um memberships. Again, there's a $50 individual level. There's $125 small business and a $250 large business. So there's three different tiers that you can uh, become a member and certainly get a lot of more information there. Otherwise, uh, our Facebook group is probably the other one, which is Facebook. Um, just search Haunted Attraction Association, like it, friend it, love it. Um, again, our state of the industry, this full plan rollout, it's a 50 five minute video um, that really goes through, I think it's like 30 different PowerPoint slides. And I really try and kind of drill in, you know, this idea, this isn't just, you know, Spencer's idea or Spencer's plan. This is the entire board pulling the ideas together and also putting a reality check to them. So um, you can see that whole plan there on our Facebook page. It's definitely worth a watch, grab some popcorn and drink and have fun. Uh, otherwise, um, you're welcome to come visit us anytime at Fear Factory SLC. Um, we have an open door policy, especially for any haunters. Um, if you're a haunter and you're here, especially when we're open, please tell us. We love getting haunt visitors. Um, you know, if we've got a little, if we've got a couple of extra minutes, we try and, you know, bring in our owners or you get to meet some of our leadership team or we'll try and like get sneaky into some back spots. And we really try and take care of our, our haunt family because I think that's what it's all about. So, 
Um, you can, you know, come visit us. We're downtown Salt Lake City. We're a six building, two underground passage facility. Uh, we're an abandoned 125, I don't remember how many years we are, uh, 125 year old abandoned cement factory that um, it's creepy by day and creepy by night. So we love it. It's a lot of fun. Um, but our website is fearfactorySLC.com. Same with all of our hashtags and our social media, Snap, Insta, TikTok, Facebook. Sheesh, I feel like if there's another platform added, we're all going to just roll over and die. But um, yeah, it's all there. Spencer Terry is the newly elected president of the Haunted Attraction Association. We want to thank you very much for taking this time out of your no doubt very busy schedule to speak to us here on the Big Scary Show. Thanks, guys. Same for you. I know you're all busy, too, but I, uh, I appreciate it. It's always good to be on the show. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. I also could not do this without our great hosts, including Storm. You know, I'm a little scared now. He kept saying that Fear Factory is um, still abandoned. I mean, you know, is it paranormal? Have, have we been speaking to a ghost? Is, is the whole thing just the greatest you know, paranormal haunted attraction ever because it's not really there? I'm, I'm so confused. I'm going to go hide in a corner now. Meat hook, Jim. <laughs> After listening to Spencer, I think I might have to renew my membership. I let it lapse a few years ago because I didn't see the value, and now all of a sudden there's value. So uh, I think I'm going to have to do that. Very nice. The Honstrumentalist, Jerry Vane. I'm looking through my list of people who have registered with my music. They haven't. I'm hurt. Mm. <gasps> Sad sigh. <laughs> my name is drew badger and i just want to say spencer you had me at underground passages once again this is the round table of terror here on the big scary show that can be taken so wrong yes, so many ways yes it how, can how badger's first date went you know years and years ago underground passages marry me we never discussed my first date we already did um <laughs> Episode the restraining two. order is still <laughs> on. I think it's a lifetime ban now. Fine. Halloween is here.
Listeners, listeners, and welcome. And welcome. Watch out! Don't trip out, over don't that, trip torso. Over that torso. torso. It's time, it's time, it's time for between, between the the corpses. corpses. Greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here. And on this episode of Between the Corpses, we are traveling to modern-day Romania. Romanians have several superstitions that mean a death may be near, including a mirror or furniture breaking, animals making unusual sounds, a dog howling with its head down and digging outside a sick person's home, a sick person constantly staring at their nails or the wall, 
and owl hooting since they see owls as death symbols. When someone is near death, a stranger should hold a candle while music plays. It must be a stranger or else the person's death is slow and painful. If someone dies, animals should be shooed away so the deceased spirit doesn't enter an animal's body. After someone passes away, the doors should be left open for death to escape. Family members bathe the body and leave some water at the feet so the spirit can bathe as well. They also place candles and coins in the deceased's hands for their afterlife journey. The deceased is the pure and white traveler since they have a 40-day journey to Judgment Day for the afterlife. Water pails should be covered so the deceased's spirit doesn't drown and can safely leave. They also place strands of the deceased's hair on the door for good luck along with a black handkerchief. The community may also ring bells to announce the death. The wake usually lasts for two nights, while family and friends watch over and protect the deceased. The night wakes are parties to keep guests awake and to celebrate with the deceased one last time. Professional performers lead prayers to pay respect to the deceased and prevent any hauntings by the spirit. Before the funeral, relatives make some traditional Romanian funeral foods including a sweet bread called kolach. They use the bread to make pomel, a decorative fruit tree branch that represents the tree of life. It also symbolizes the passage from the current world to the next. They also make a dish with wheat grains to represent the sins of the dead. It's a traditional Orthodox Christian dish called kaliva, and it's popular since 81% of Romanians are Orthodox Christians. A Romanian funeral service is more of a celebration with masks, costumes, games, singing, dancing, and stories. The body must enter the church first, and it should be in the middle of the church. Funeral guests usually receive candles and handkerchiefs to keep as funeral gifts. Funeral guests also believe flower crowns to place around the deceased casket for decoration. Then, after the service, family members carry the flower crowns in the procession to the burial location. Before the burial begins, family members place the flower crowns on the casket. They also set up a table with wine and traditional Romanian food. The deceased's burial clothing depends on their age. The elderly usually choose their clothing ahead of time, while young unmarried people wear wedding clothes. Romanians believe babies turn into angels so they cut their shirts so they can spread their wings to fly. Mary's Cemetery is filled with more than 1,000 blue wooden crosses in Sapanta, Romania. These unique gravestones share the deceased's story through detailed bright and colorful pictures. Stan Ion Patras is the original artist of these gravestones, but after he passed away, his apprentice Dimitru Poptincu took over. The pictures often show how the deceased died, and the colors have special meanings. Green means the ye life, yellow means fertility, red means passion, and black means death. They also have dark and humorous poems written on them, and the crosses stand about five feet high. Well, there you go. Modern-day Romania, not uh, back in Transylvania days, although the superstitions still do exist. Thanks for listening.
color, all action hits. Here are the seven wonders of the world rolled into one fantastic adventure. Frankenstein, born again to rule in terror. A monster unleashed to conquer all who stand in his destructive path. Frankenstein conquers the world. Stars Nick Adams as the American scientist versus Frankenstein, incarnate with the strength of a thousand men. A phenomenon such as never seen before. See Frankenstein Conquers the World, astounding on the giant screen, also on the same program. Tarzan, man of the jungle, with only a lion, a leopard, and a chimp as his army. Can they conquer the hired killers of the dealer in death? Cy Weintraub presents Tarzan and the Valley of Gold. With Mike Henry and Nancy Kovac in Panavision and Color from American International Pictures. Ohio Haunted House owners, actors, and enthusiasts, join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. Welcome to a very special and very significant edition of the Weister's Haunted Vista. What have you done? I'm calling this one Hauntings and Remembrances. A bit of an inside look at my wife and my own home haunt and some thoughts on podcasting after seven years with the Big Scary Show. It's going to get ugly. Well, maybe, maybe not, but the big thing of it is I wanted to field a few of the questions that I've received about my wife and my home haunt. The biggest question I always get asked is, how do you get away with it in an apartment complex? Everyone's got a gimmick now. The honest-to-goodness truth is, it's not as uncommon as it would seem. Lots of apartment complexes are open to this idea. Granted, not all of them. Oh, there's been a few times when my wife and I were considering relocating, and a couple of people really balked at some of what we have done in the past. Party pooper. No cake for you. But on several occasions, some of the people we had spoken with offered us quite a bit of extra land had we signed on the dotted line. The possibilities were quite big, and I was very, very astounded that they were even willing to entertain these ideas. And to be quite frank, we've done a lot of driving around in the local neighborhoods during the Halloween season to take a look at some of what other people are doing, and we're seeing more and more similar stuff in apartment complexes. It's not 
impossible to get this done if you do reside in one. I mean, we've been our current residents for over 16 years, and the management knows so well that when they showed new possible tenants pictures of the property and things of that nature, one of our displays is actually in the slideshow. So, hey, what can you say? Take what you get when you can get it. No thanks. I've had my windows done. The big question I get asked sometimes, and it really kind of makes my head swell when I hear it, and without wishing to be immodest about it, we have been asked more than once, do we think we've influenced some of the haunters around the area? And I would have to say, maybe. I don't think people really come to see our stuff and go, oh, we've got to do that. But I think some of the stuff that's going on in some of the neighboring apartment complexes, yeah, I think we've had a little bit to do with it. Primarily as we've been featured in the local town newspapers more than a few times. And we've been at it a long time, blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying we're the best, but we do get our fair share of traffic around here. So take it for what it is. Do I think everybody thinks we're the bee's knees? No. Some people got some really nifty stuff going on besides us too. Trust me on that one. This area is good for this sort of thing. Kiss me, you fool. Knock it off. The other frequent question we get, which really tickles my funny bone, is where do you store all this stuff? If you've taken a gander at our Blogspot page, the Vicer's Halloween Haunt Journal, shameless plug once more, you'll see we've got a pretty expensive display. And it takes quite a bit of ingenuity on my wife's and my part to get this stuff all boxed up when it's all said and done. Essentially, we have a two-bedroom apartment. One bedroom is for us. The other is for our goodies. If we have company, they can sleep on the couch. Another frequent question I get is, who comes up with your ideas? Well, between my wife and I, it's kind of a 50-50 split. She has surprised me more than once with some really slick and clever craft ideas, and she can pull out some really nifty designs when she really puts her mind to it. Best to keep your mouth shut if you don't want bugs in your teeth. As for the rest of it, I tend to handle most of the drawing, designing, etc., and the carving, while Lisa handles the more practical aspects of it in terms of placement, stabilization, and things of that nature. She has a very good eye for design and quite the flair for putting things where they look best. I, on the other hand, will just throw everything out there with tons of glow-in-the-dark paint and lights and say it looks good, and my wife cringes at some of the ideas I've come up with over the years. Ah, oh, Creepo got a concussion? Another question that I find kind of entertaining is when people ask us if there's any other ideas we have that we haven't tried yet. Well, yes, one. Does anybody know where we can get a halfway decent Sam from Trick or Treat prop? That has been driving my wife and I berserk. We've wanted to put him in our yard for years, and we can never find either the cloth patterns or a halfway decent life-size prop, honestly. But in terms of inspirations, nah, we never seem to run out of it. Every year, once the season is over, we'll take a little break for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we just start tossing ideas around. I mean, my goodness, the last couple of years have been all basically off the cuff, whether it was Charlie Brown Halloween, Adam's Family, or even this year, which is going to be a revisitation of something we did many years ago and made a mess out of. It never seems to stop us. We always have things up our sleeve that we want to try. And we revisit old themes from time to time, and we try new ones. It's just the way things work. Oh, come on. Not again. 
Now, have we made any blunders over the years? Oh, you betcha. In 2010, we attempted to do The Mummy's Tomb, replete with a huge, hairy spider prop. Unfortunately, we didn't know anything about scale. We were kind of new to the figurines thing, and basically, our version of Imhotep looked like he had growth hormone problems. Everybody was coming up to this thing going, It looks great. What is it? It's the mummy's tomb. Where's the mummy? Ay ay ay. Then you flash forward to 2014, and we tried to do the Phantom of the Opera, a la Lon Chaney from 25. Unfortunately for us, we didn't take scale into account again, and the big golden pipes we had for the organ, which we worked so hard on, we couldn't use. So surprise, surprise, it didn't look like much of anything. You could tell it was the Phantom, but when one of your friends come up to you and say, hey, look, it's the Phantom of the full-service bar. <laughs> In terms of some general advice and observations that my wife and I have made over the years, for one thing, I firmly believe that rebar is way overrated. If you go to Home Depot, they specialize in a particular type of spike. It's metal, comes in various sizes, and does the job just as well. It's far lighter and just as secure and a lot easier to work with. Rebar is clumsy, heavy, difficult to work with, and a pain to pound into the ground. These spikes that I mentioned go in with ease, hold just fine, and if you need to play your cards right, they work a charm. Like so many other home haunters, we can sing the praises of Drylock over and over and over again, and we will yet one more time. This stuff is miraculous when it comes to building stones, structures, walls, etc., etc. One little trick my wife and I tend to do, though, as well, as after the Drylock has settled, we will coat everything with basically a flat white to ensure waterproof secureness. Drylock is pretty good in terms of the waterproof ability, but I always want that little extra. Plus, it makes painting and highlighting much easier. Drylock does come in an off-white. We tend to use cemetery gray, haha. But that extra layer of paint, not only in terms of the artistic measures, but in terms of longevity, helps a lot. It's very rare that we have to do a tremendous amount of touch-up on our props. They last for years and years without any real maintenance. In fact, I can only remember one time where I really had to do a lot of backlog work in terms of our cemetery stones, just because we had run them for five, six, seven years, I forgot how long, without doing any kind of touch-up on them. But they, this stuff holds up very well, and that combination is very secure. But can we get something to eat now? Otherwise, your liver, it's starting to look really, really good and juicy. Now, regarding neighbors, this can get very interesting. Overall, we've been pretty lucky, as most of our neighbors have been very supportive, and most of the kids that they have just love to play Ghost in the Graveyard in our setups when they're out there, and they're pretty respectful. We haven't had any real damage or problems with anyone's children yet, mainly because I think they're just afraid of being eaten if they take us off too much. Once in a while, we do have an amusing anecdote. Like, for example, last year, my wife and I had purchased this huge animatronic werewolf prop, set it up in the front room, and thought nothing of it, because it was going to go on the patio in a few weeks' time anyway. Hey, home decor and all that. But we had some maintenance issues, and unbeknownst to us, a new maintenance man who had no idea of our history. This guy walks in, the thing's standing there, and he gets a shock of his life. He's calling the home office, going, who are these people? 
terrified that we are basically sacrificing children or what have you not. That's the other side of the coin. We run into a few religious nutters as well. My wife and I happen to be Christian too, by the way. When you pour rock salt on my front door or throw holy water at me or call the office manager telling them that we're sacrificing children on the second floor where we're going to bury them, and that sort of thing, I do get a little perturbed. But overall, we've been left in peace and people have been quite supportive. So knock on wood. Hopefully we'll never have to deal with another screwball like that again. I bid you farewell and good luck, morons. The trick with winning the neighbors over is basically introducing yourself, showing them that you're not crazy Satanists, and warn them in advance of what's coming down the pike and if they're okay with it. 99% of the time, people are very supportive and won't get in your way. It's that 1% that gets to be a problem, but if you've got the office manager on your side, there's little or nothing they can do about it. Again, Tact and discretion will go a long way in this area, but be warned, some people can be really odd about this. Get out, and don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. All right, as I said, this was a bit of a special segment. This is probably going to be my last Big Scary Show appearance, probably until the Halloween season, and after that, who knows? I've done podcasting for a good nine years, though, getting close to ten. And at this point in the game, I have other interests and things of that nature. It has nothing to do with Drew, Jim, or Storm. Well, maybe Jerry. He is annoying. But it has nothing to do with the G-Hosts. It's just seasons change, interests change, and things of that nature. I will still be here and there in the show if I can do a roundtable tear, etc., etc. But overall, in terms of a consistent basis, my interests lie elsewhere these days. I'll still be listening. I'll still pop in from time to time. But for now, I'm going to say sayonara and thank you very much to everyone for all their support over the last seven years. When I started doing segments with Horncast back in 2012, I never really thought it would get much past the one-year maybe two-year stage, and when they folded up their tents in 2014, I really never considered doing it again until I ran into Jerry Vane, and you people pretty much know the rest of the story. After seven years pounding out stuff twice a month for the majority of it, at this point in the game, I want to do something else. Still love the show, I'll still be around, but at this stage in the game, I'm going to take a little break. And with the new talent on hand, things are quite well cared for. So, before I sign off, until the Halloween season itself, again, thank you, thank you, thank you to all who supported me, who appreciated what I've done, and so you all know it is very much appreciated. So, until October arrives... I will say sayonara and best wishes to one and all. And always remember Svengulis Credo and brush your fangs, comb your face, drink your milk before it clots, bite mama goodnight. And I especially want to thank Drew, Jim, Storm, and yes, even Jerry for all the support and encouragement over the last seven, eight years. It has meant a tremendous amount to me and thank you very much. So, until Halloween season... Arise once more. Everyone take care, be well, and we will see you again soon. Take care until then. This is Eric Weister bidding you a fond farewell for now, and we will see you all come Halloween season.
Solitude Black, October Symphony, on The Big Scary Show. up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karam. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karam. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Karam.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screenwine Studios. Dark Imaginings. Fright Finder. Haunt Pay. Creepy Collection. And Von Caron Productions. We would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse as well as the Forga hosts, including Storm, Ransom Moore, HauntMinute.com, Badger, Actor, Trainer, and Consultant, RabbitBadger.org, Meathook Jim, check out his other podcast at WrestleHorror.com, and Jerry Vane, the Haunstrumentalist, JerryVane.com. 
And finally you. Without you, the listener, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.